0: This is episode 134 with Don Dalby. Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. And if you are in pursuit of your own happiness, this is the podcast for you. Join me along my own journey in finding happiness as I cover topics such as health, wellness, mindset, travel, adventure, dating, relationships, and so much more as I interview some of the most passionate and successful people in the world. And on this episode, I am super excited to bring to you someone that's going to help you live wealthy, because that is what we all want. It's what we all strive for. So welcome, Don Dalby, to this episode. Now, I love talking about finances. I love learning about it a lot of people don't a lot of people consider it boring or too difficult to understand Uh, I promise you that will not happen on this episode Dawn brings such amazing energy and excitement to this topic I absolutely loved our conversation I know you will too now Dawn is a wealth wellness expert she's a financial advisor and a fiduciary she's also an author and a podcast host so basically she does it all But perhaps what I love most about Dawn is that she is the country's first behavioral financial advisor. So she focuses on both the emotional and practical aspects of managing money. And I think many of us have an up and down relationship or maybe just a flat out down relationship when it comes to our money or feel guilty spending it or just don't know what to do with it. But have no fear, this conversation will help get you on the right track. I love that Dawn points out that being wealthy or being rich is different to everybody. We all have different values and things that we want to spend our money on. We also talk about saving, how to invest properly, tax loopholes that we can be taking advantage of. And don't worry, as I mentioned, this will not go over your head. It is not complicated whatsoever. I think you'll genuinely enjoy this episode and take a lot from it and also be ready to take notes as well. And one final note, I always suggest you share these episodes, especially this one, because I know it can help so many people with their financial situation. So please, sharing is caring. I appreciate it. I know Don would appreciate it. And please also take a moment to subscribe, leave a review. I really, really do appreciate that. It allows me to get this episode and all my other episodes to an even larger audience. And make sure you take a second to scroll down into the show notes where you can find where to follow Dawn and visit her website, follow her podcast, and get her book. So, with that said, here we go. My conversation with Dawn Dalby. What's up,
1: Dawn? Hi, Ryan. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you, too. I see you got the book stash behind you. I love it.
1: Yeah, right? And you, okay, football guy.
0: Who are you? Are
1: you excited? Are you excited for the season?
0: I am very excited, but my, I don't know, my expectations are tempered. I'm a big Broncos fan, so last year was supposed to be great, and then it was terrible, so we'll wait and see. (laughs) What about you? Well,
1: to make you feel better, I'm not a fan of any, but... If I had to pick one team, it's worse than the Broncos. It's the Vikings.
0: Uh, well, uh, I can see why you say that, but I mean, they're still a great team. I don't yeah,
1: know. it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Well, my husband's a huge fan, so we will see what happens with them this year. If I'm going to hear lots of swearing every Sunday or some, you know, cheering. So yes, we trust me. See. Last swearing
0: yeah. in this household last year. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I
1: know. I know. I'm like, why? I'm like, pick a different team, dude. You know, I was always frustrated. <laughs>
0: completely get it. So yes. where, where are you located?
1: So right now, um, I live in Scottsdale, Arizona.
0: Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Yeah, it's hot right now. How about you?
0: yeah it's very very hot um i'm in north carolina i'm in the raleigh durham area so, so it's a different humid. kind of heat a different kind yeah. of heat mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah we um my wife and i almost a year ago we celebrate our one-year anniversary one week and just a couple of days we got married in sedona so we flew out to phoenix <sighs> and then drove up to Sedona. we got we got married there so we spent a little bit of time in scottsdale uh seeing so... one of her friends
1: lovely i just i was in scott or in sedona all weekend and um it was just it's just beautiful what a perfect place to get married where it's the vibe is all calm and it is just the scenery is unbelievable so yeah it was perfect well and happy anniversary to you thank you i appreciate that yeah
0: i love the energy you bring in already um you're 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 great you're wonderful guest already um Brian mentioned you and I said, Yeah, uh, of course, absolutely. Gotta get you on my podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I
0: I geek out about this stuff a little bit. Um, I love learning about like finances, like what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. It's not just about me, but just asking these questions and like yeah, learning. And I think this is the stuff we all should know. And so yes. many of us don't know. And it's I like
1: know. and
0: people are ashamed to ask questions. So, you know mm-hmm. what? I'm gonna do it for them. But let's just talk about you for a minute. So, you're host of a podcast, Live Wealthy, which I absolutely love, and the book, Live Wealthy. Yeah. And you're also a you're a behavioral financial advisor and also a fiduciary. So, you know, you got to explain that. What in the world is a behavioral financial advisor?
1: That's a great question. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, The what's interesting is that. After 24 years of helping clients um, sit, you know, sitting in one-on-one client meetings and helping clients with their financial plan and and managing their investable assets, what I realized is that our behavior around money, whether we have it or don't, tends to most times be a little negative and Mm -hmm. there's never enough. And so I, I started really analyzing myself, my clients, my colleagues, and I'm like, wait, I thought having more money and growing money should make you a better person. And what I found a lot of times, it just exemplified the fear, the not enoughness, the toxicity in people. and And so I was like, gosh, you know what, we really need to understand our relationship with money and our behaviors. Because so many times, We think money is all that it is. And it is, don't get me wrong, I love money. I think everyone should have a ton. I think we are always striving for more money. So it's not about that. But money alone is just a tool. Mm -hmm. And it's controlled and defined by our behaviors. And so many times we feel like money controls us, but the reality is, is that we control it. Sometimes. Always.
0: Yeah. I feel like sometimes uh, the money kind of controls the people. Um, I'm going to ask you right at the back, can money buy happiness?
1: Um, I believe it's half of the equation. So I think money can um, solve problems and make your life easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that money alone provides happiness, but I do believe when you build your internal worth, which is your internal wealth, and your external financial wealth at the same time, that combination of worth and wealth does provide and buy you happiness.
0: Mm. I have a lot of questions for you, and I'm just ripping off some new ones here Let's that go. I just didn't even think of. Another question I have is, from your experience, who are the happiest people? What are they spending money on?
1: Hmm. The, the spending... Is, uh, okay, so who's the happiest? I mm-hmm. would say people that are the, the, that feel really good about themselves, that they know that they're, th- that they're good enough and they want to continue to grow. So that's kind of a yin and yang. Um, but they have high self-esteem hmm. people that have high self-esteem and have dealt with the shit in their life. Sorry for swearing, but that's just who I am. Um, that those people that have pushed through the uncomfortableness are the ones that end up being happier. Hmm. So what do they spend their money on? They spend their money on their core values, the things that they value the most in life. And they quit spending money on comparison and trying to keep up with their neighbors and their friends. Those are the happiest people. And that's what they're spending their money on. Yeah, it's a great question, by the way.
0: Thank you. Um, Because personally, for me, um, growing up, It's kind of like oh i got money what can i buy and it's like almost like the first thing you think is like a car or nice clothes or something like that i became happiest when i started to make money and spend it on experiences and memories because that was like i've never my sister told me years ago when i was like debating on like going to hawaii and possibly like leaving early she's like you will never regret spending money on experiences and travel and since that day it's like 100% true. I've never regretted once. I mean, like you said, that's my value. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just like, not necessarily material things. It was Mm -hmm. the experiences and the memories because you live once. So that's why I asked you that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, um, because that is your value, like someone like myself that in my 20s, I... I used to get paid to travel cause I was a singer and a dancer on cruise ships. Like oh, I, know, awesome. perform. my husband and I both did that. Yeah. And you know, so so travel for the last 20 plus years ha- have, hasn't been my priority at all. Mm, mm. Um, but you know what? what is, is like having a really cool house. Mm-hmm. And Would you call that materialistic? Maybe, but I love the environment cause having a really, you know, you know I have energy, right? So having a really <laughs> calm, Environment. I mean, my house is like a resort mm-hmm. and that's really cool to me because it, it's the yin to my yang and that's really important. So I'll spend money there over travel. And again, it's not a right or wrong. It's what's important to you. And by the way, I have a, I, I don't want to say have, I had, I, I'm tra- retraining my brain. I had a big fear of flying too. So like traveling to me, I was like, oh, right? yeah so it's just so weird and it's so dumb and I get it it's so stupid but um, but it's the reality and it's the truth and so that you know so the th- fact that our values are determined too by kind of you know our internal emotions and what's going on in our brain and our heart as well
0: yeah for sure I don't think it's stupid I mean it's, it's a few, I, I don't it's have stupid
1: it's well, stupid. Uh... okay if you say to not travel come on no ryan to not travel to hawaii because you're gonna fly over like right i mean (laughs) kind of dumb
0: What do you put it that way but Mm -hmm. i get it i mean spending money to be anxious about something doesn't sound too appeasing right so i mean i have uh, a definite fear and anxiety of like heights and cliffs and like ledges and stuff again when they're super high up like it's definitely times where it's like, oh, I can't wait to go hiking, but I have severe anxiety about like what reaching the top is going to look like. And it kind of ruins my trip a little bit because I do yep. get anxious. So I'm not going to bust in you for that. I completely understand having lived All right. for that. Um, but I want to talk – I got more questions for you, but I want to talk about you first is – more about what you do and how in the Mm -hmm. world you got into this. So you just said you're on a cruise ship, which I've done plenty of cruises in my life. I think it's great. There's a lot of talent on those ships. So how did you go from that to being a fiduciary financial advisor?
1: Yeah, weird, right? (laughs) Um, I was born to be an entertainer. But I also am super driven. And I loved people first and foremost. And I was okay with numbers. And so my husband and I, he was my boyfriend at the time I've been married to him. You're at year 1, we're at year 27.
0: Congratulations.
1: And and we've been together for 36 years, so a long time. But but I knew he was going to continue to be a musician and I'm like, "Dude, if you're not famous, I know what musicians make." <laughs> And that ain't going to cut it for this girl. (laughs) So I just remember going, shit, I got to like figure it out myself. Well, I needed to learn about, because I'm super competitive and think if someone else has it, why can't I? I always Mm -hmm. remember that. I was like, well, they they can do it. Why can't I? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm a human being too. I can figure it out. So, um, so I just, I had a friend that was a financial advisor and I was looking at him and he was like making triple the amount of money I was making. And he was working four days a week. And I was like. I'm like, what do you do? Well, it's number, it's financial planning. And I'm like, okay. But it was really about people management mm-hmm. um, and being like, almost like a psychologist with people and that behavioral stuff with money. And so I was like, okay, well, let me try it. And I didn't start till I was 30 years old, but um, you know, was it hard? Oh my gosh, getting in this industry, you know, doing financial planning, this is what a day in day out looks like. It's literally one client meeting after the next. Mm. It's that's all it is. It's like a doctor's office, right? What are
0: you so, doing? Are you looking at their financials, but they're spending their money on? Like are so you we're looking deep?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. We're doing comprehensive financial planning. So what that means is we're looking at their cash flow. They're in and out, they're spending. Mm-hmm. We're looking at how much they should have in a cash reserve position, how much insurance and protection planning they should have. We're and we're managing their investments because that's really how we get paid. So we wanna manage their investments and making sure that their fees are low and that their performance is um, meeting or exceeding the benchmark. We're, we're, their financial plan is their retirement plan. Like we're telling them how much they need to save so they don't ever run out of money so they mm-hmm. can retire someday. We're do, we actually do their taxes. We do their tax plan. We do their taxes. And we also do some estate planning. Like they still have to hire the attorney, but we're like talking about beneficiaries and how to like what beneficiaries on what part of their assets, all that kind of stuff. So, and how much debt to have, like all of it, mm. anything and everything related to the dollar. So sit down with client, like people that come into my, um, environment, my community, they typically have, well, I have two too now, because I would just help the millionaires become multimillionaires. And over the last three years, I've created a platform, a digital platform that helps the non million millionaires, because I'm like, they're the ones that actually need it more
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> or just as much, maybe not more, but they need it just as much and they don't have access to people that are fiduciaries with the experience. Um, mm. so, cause we don't make money off of those people. So I was like, gosh, I just want to help them. So anyway, um, but I do like, so we sit down with clients anywhere from two to four times a year and just always upgrading their financial plan like what's not working what has changed is it an income issue is it a debt issue it is a spending issue is it a tax issue or is it all of those issues sometimes it's everything and just making sure that we're aligned in their financial goals and and more so not just aligned with their financial goals we're aligned with all of them as a human being. That's what live wealthy is, is right? It's not just li- aligning your financial goals because you and I could have similar financial goals. I want to retire. I want to invest. I want to have freedom. I want to have security. I want to be able to travel. I want to. That's all the same. Hmm. We all have the same financial goals, really. You know, charity, for the most part, we have the same goals. It's executing on the level deeper than that of like, who are you really? And how do you live well in your life, in your version of wellness Mm -hmm. and making sure that you're aligning your chase of money to a healthy version of you. And that's what live wealthy really is. Mm.
0: Yeah. It's like everyone has a different definition of happiness and success is what rich is too, right? Rich is different to everybody.
1: Yeah. I, you know, um, I think rich is just having money in the bank and not living. And that's my definition of it. Wealthy is like spending your money and living Mm. because we're all here to live. Like we, Mm. that's wealth. Like we want to have enough for tomorrow, but we also want to spend our money for today too. And I just got off the phone with my, some of my team members and they're like, that's what I love about the message of live wealthy. Dawn is because like her version of live wealthy is she lives in an RV, travels around with her husband. Her husband's a caddy on the golf, you know, pro tournament. And she's like, this is my version Mm. of, of living wealthy. And I just need to make sure that I never run out of money in alignment with my version. Mm. Now, Don, your version is completely different, right? You have all this energy and you want to continue to build your multi million dollar business to, you know, um, eight digits and nine digits and all of it. Right. Cause it's my personality, but my, my version is different. And that's what I love about this message of live wealthy. It's getting crystal clear of who you are and quit trying to, effing compare yourself to someone else's journey, because it's really not yours journey. And you're not even (laughs) going to be happy if you were over there anyway. You're really not going to be happy. You think you will. But if you open up the hood and start looking at all the stuff, you're not going to be happy. So Mm -hmm. it's like, how do we get to that version of your live wealthy, that happiness, contentment, fulfillment, and you start building your wealth around that. And that's what advisors out there don't teach. Non-behavioral financial advisors don't teach that type of um Mm -hmm. education right all we teach is financial goal here's what you need to do to meet your financial goal that's effing boring is it important yes like you want to ask me all the technical questions i got them so you can ask me whatever you want but it's the combination of the technical and the behavioral the behavioral is the emotion it's the emotion and the tactical advice when you meet those two in the middle you arrive at happiness.
0: I mm. was well, hit on that in a moment, but what you just said is like, what comparison is the thief of joy, right? Yeah, like- yeah. It's just for everything, not just money. But I, I imagine money will probably get you in a really bad spot if you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and mm-hmm. your neighbor pulls up uh, one morning with a BMW. You're like, oh, now I need a new car. My car yep. isn't as nice Absolutely. as theirs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got derailed slightly a little bit from how you got into this. I still want to hit on that. How in the world did you get into this and then get into deeper, even like writing a book, starting a podcast, all that stuff? I want to get your mm-hmm. journey.
1: Well, the the journey really is... is um, you know, becoming a financial advisor. And that's what I do. I sit down with clients. I got into the journey because I had a friend that was doing it and was making a lot of money. So I got in, And all you do is sit down with clients one-on-one, you build your business, you do cold calling and you meet the clients. Um, and I did that for over 20 years. And then I was like, huh, I'm not really living in alignment with me. I'm Mm. really a performer. I have this Mm. energy. I want to inspire not just 300 people. I want to inspire <laughs> 3 million people. How do you do that? How do you do that? What you do is you build your business and you hire other advisors that have the same type of um that you know that are you're teaching that they'll sit down with your clients one-on-one and then you go out there and you become the brand in the marketing and the salesperson and inspire people to think differently about their money. So that's kind of does that really answer your question? I mean it, does. it was one-on-one. And then over the last three, probably four years now, it's like okay, one on many. And mm-hmm. how do I get more people to save their money and to live wealthy?
0: Do you feel fulfilled or starting to um, get there?
1: Um, I've I've always felt fulfilled because I loved my clients. So yeah. so I was always like, oh, I love this. I love this. I love this. I'm making a lot of money and I'm helping a lot of people. But I got to a point where um when I started doing my own personal development, like really getting in tune with myself, and how do I become a better version of dawn, I realized that I was actually shortchanging myself, my clients and the people that I could help. Hmm. So am I fulfilled? Um, Yes, 100%. I don't believe we're 100. We don't, we don't ever arrive at that ultimate fulfillment and happiness, I believe until we cross over.
0: I can see that. I mean, that's why it's the pursuit of happiness. We're (laughs) always growing.
1: We're always growing and learning. And and it's all another layer, right? That we Mm. get to peel back and learn from each other and learn from ourselves and be open to self-awareness, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm fulfilled. But am I driven? Have I like, I I got a lot in me yet. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, we have similar mindsets. I completely agree with everything you just said. I want to hit on somewhat of a basic here that might not be basic for some people, but I think this is really important. What's the difference between a financial advisor and a fiduciary?
1: The fiduciary means that you have the, the client's best interest, the, the client that you're engaging with, you have to act in their best interests above your own. So what that means is as a financial advisor, that's not a a fiduciary. Let's say you came into my office and I'm not a fiduciary. Okay. And so Ryan comes into my office. I'm not a fiduciary. I'm like, gosh, Ryan, in order for you to meet your goal, there's two different paths we can take. We can put you your money in an annuity, or I could put you in exchange traded fund. They're both going to be good. They're both going to be good. They both might help you achieve your goal. Um, However, you know because they're both they both can benefit you. I can pick the product that's going to pay me more. Mm. A fiduciary can. A fiduciary is someone who's like, yeah, there's an annuity and an ETF, but based on what you told me about your financial goals, the ETF, the exchange traded fund, is going to be a better investment vehicle for you because the fees are lower um, in there, and really the advisor's not getting paid as much.
0: So, Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, makes sense. Yeah, it makes. I I knew okay. that answer, but so to me it's like, why would anybody choose a financial advisor over a fiduciary? What's the benefit?
1: There's not. There, there's absolutely not. The problem is, is that they most people don't even know the difference, and most people just like don't know who to turn to to get financial advice. So they go to their bank, mm. and people that are are financial advisors in a bank they're just educated differently, right? <laughs> or they might be selling their own product or whatever it is. So that's why I think it's just a, a lack of understanding. Our industry doesn't oh, make it so confusing and it doesn't have to be, but that's yeah. really what it is.
0: It really is. Um, so if I wanted to find a fiduciary, you just go on Google, like what's the proper route to find one besides contacting you?
1: <laughs> yeah, besides contacting me, good, good call there. Um, <laughs> I would go to, um, I would not work with anybody that didn't have a certified financial planners. Um, the, those credentials behind their name, CFP. So if you go to, if people are CFPs, they automatically have to be a fiduciary advisor. Okay. Okay? And I've also learned, so here's the other thing is I have met with people that say, Oh, I have a fiduciary. I'm like, okay, let's see your statements. Let's see your stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I start looking and I'm like, huh, they're a fiduciary based on what they have to offer. But I like, I, I'm just like, okay, they are a fiduciary. However, they're not like fully looking at the tax planning and the investment planning hand in hand or their performance or their there's fees inside. You can still be a fiduciary. There's different levels too. That's why you have to you kind of have to interview a few of them. Hmm. Um, but I've also seen people. Sorry, that was a burp, and I didn't want to burp into that. <laughs> didn't hear it? <laughs> You're right. Ah! Um, anyways, this is edit- this is um,
0: editable. I could oh, always edit. Oh, I don't
1: want to edit. I don't want to edit. <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> no, um, but but there are different levels, and you have to be really, really careful because people say they're fiduciary, and they are, right? But there's just you always need a second opinion, and I think that's healthy.
0: Okay, so. I'm curious about this. With you being in Arizona, me being in North Carolina, can I work with you? Or you need to find somebody like in your state?
1: As long as you're okay with Zoom calls, you can work with anybody. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's for me because we're registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Like we're yeah, we're just um I don't I don't get paid like in like a commission to work with certain people in different states. It's just we're fee only, so we can work with anybody.
0: Okay, so I know I'm asking a lot of questions here. So like, I I really do want to know this. So like, what's fee only? How does paying a fiduciary work?
1: So fee only means that someone, um, a fiduciary advisor, that's fee only is some like where you come in, and I'm just going to charge you approximately 1% of your investable assets. Okay. So if you have $1,000, I make $10. So I'm not going to want to work with you. If you have a million dollars, I charge you $10,000. And I want to work with you. (laughs) Now that the fee, that 1% fee doesn't come out of your checkbook, it's comes out of the performance out of your account. So how we work is that that 10th, if you're a million dollar client, Mm -hmm. and you're paying 10 grand, you're paying a fourth of that every quarter, and it's just being pulled out of your investment account. And if the right advisor is doing it right, that's going to be the majority of your costs. Uh, Most people are like, I don't even pay my advisor. I'm like, oh, no, you do. It's buried in your investments. And sometimes most uh, like Tony Robbins did a study. I mean, most Americans pay over 3% for their investments and they don't even realize it. I'm Mm. like, okay, let's strip away those 2%, pay me one and the right type of advice when you're getting fiduciary advice, that's tax planning and, and retirement planning, all the things, the right type of advisor should be able to provide you 3% back in value versus that 1% you pay them. Hmm. So think about that. That's huge.
0: Yeah, but we can't ever predict what the hell the market's gonna do, right? So it's still- It has
1: nothing to do with the market. Oh my no. gosh, it has nothing. No, the market's ebb and flow. you That's what like people need to understand. When, when the markets go down, you know oh gosh when was it since 1956 don't quote me on that exact year but a lot of freaking years (laughs) the market on average is down 11 months on average
0: Mm.
1: really so the the problem is the average investor gets half of what the market like produces because of their behavior Mm. because of their emotions but it doesn't matter it has nothing to do with the market like the right advisor that's helping you it doesn't Oh my gosh, it's about the tax planning on your income and your investments. It's it's about minimizing your fees. It doesn't matter what the market does. It's it's going to deliver for you if you have the right behavior and the right financial plan.
0: Would you say a fiduciary gets paid for performance? Like the better you do, the more money you all get? Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. So last year when the markets were down, like my um, my financial planning firm called Relevé. We were down two hundred thousand because our clients were down. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So if they win, we win. It sucks for them. It sucks for us. But it's a short-lived suck.
0: Right. It's yeah. Not, it's-, it's okay. It's really nice, like working with somebody that's like holding your hand. It's like, hey, if I win, you win. If you win, I win. Like, it's just it's a partnership.
1: It's a partnership. And the other thing is what's really cool is during those downturns, like that's when we were like telling the clients, hey, take 10 percent of your portfolio and take it out of the conservative mix and let's put it in the aggressive mix Hmm. and let's go. And they would Hmm. all do it. And what's really cool is like, I can't time the market, but what I can say is I know right now. I can see it right now. It's down 20%. You want an Mm. opportunity? Let's go. Mm. And that's the cool thing. So yes, that's why the averages are so significant of working with an advisor because over a full market cycle, everybody wins Mm. if they don't get emotional and try to get in their own way of making the wrong money decisions.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Now you brought up fees. Um, how do people find out what their fees that they're paying are and what is like an acceptable fee? What is a fee that's like, Oh, okay, that's fine. I can live with that.
1: Yeah. An acceptable fee is 1%. Okay. Yep. How do they find out about it? You ask Mm -hmm. your advisor, you look on your statement. It's not too hard.
0: Oh, I I feel like people don't even do that. So yeah.
1: Right. It's so, it's so silly. The other thing, the other thing is, is that, um, You know people don't know what their fee is so let's say they see they can see their account fees or their custodian fees on their statement but they're like i'm in all these different mutual funds i don't know what the fees are inside of the mutual fund Mm -hmm. like underneath the hood they can just google the mutual fund ticker or the name of it and get a report and it'll tell you what your internal fees are per mutual fund so easy i mean it's not easy but you can find it. I mean, we live in a really it's transparent doable. world. Yeah. yeah, it's very yeah.
0: doable. Um, I won't ask you too many tips and tricks because that's what people pay you for. Um, so if you don't want to answer this, don't answer this. But do you have a favorite ETF?
1: Um, No. I mean, over the last 10 years, I would for sure say the S&P 500, right? Um, yeah. However, you know, right now with the S&P 500, the reason why it's up, what, 16% year to date is because of those seven magnificent stocks, mm-hmm. those seven biggest stocks out of the 500 that are in there. Um, but I will give you a little tip. I personally, we like our firm, by the way, I'm not the smartest one in my firm. I'm just the most outgoing one. I have <laughs> investment analysts that are smarter than me and they show me all these charts mm-hmm. and they're like, Dawn, look at this chart the U.S. market versus the international market. And they tend to be opposite of each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can see over history when U.S. markets are great, international is down and vice versa. Well, what we're starting to see now is the the tilt going to more international than U.S. companies. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean we put all of our our money in our portfolio in international but what we do is maybe we'll put an extra 5 or 10% of the overall allocation into international because we think predict we don't know for sure but when we're looking at the charts and graphs and historical data that's um there's an op- there could be an opportunity there
0: interesting now you brought up the magnificent 7 of which i own 5 of um, just okay. to hit on that real quick. I, I wasn't planning yeah. on going here, might as well ask you. Let's go. but so that's more of a what Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Facebook, Meta, which is Meta, Google Alphabet. Um what is it? What's what are the other ones? Um Tesla. Tesla.
1: And you said Amazon?
0: I didn't say Amazon. I don't think I said Amazon.
1: Okay. Okay. So there you go. It. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So
0: I'm probably too heavy in that which it's a great thing right now. But do you see that continuing to be the magnificent seven or would you caution against it as if they're perhaps at the highest right now?
1: So yes and yes. Do I think it's going to continue to go up? I do. I mean, second half of the year with the, the markets in general, I think will be less potentially a little bit more volatile, but, but yes, I mean, think about where's Amazon going. Like, come on, let's just be like, really All right. All right. where's Google going? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like the are going to steal going- your data. <laughs> exactly. Right. So they're not going away. However, again, you don't, nobody ever wants to get too fat and greedy with their money. So what I would suggest is you sell off the earnings and you can buy into something else and making, again, it comes down to consistent, steady Eddie wins the race every time. Because if you just had Google, you just had Facebook, you just had meta, like whatever you're what, what's going to happen. Is that you're going to get a positive 40 and then you're going to get a negative 40 mm. and then you're going to get a positive 10 and then you're going to get a negative 20. And I'm telling you that math doesn't add up. Mm. You think you're a freaking rock star when you're up 40%. Mm-hmm. But what happens after that, everything goes back to the mean, the, right? The average. So you, you got to be smart with your investments because steady Eddie and that consistent performance wins the race all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few years ago, I bought um, more NVIDIA stock, and I feel like a rock star right now. And it just was like, I don't know, is that going to continue to last now that the whole AI thing is going bananas? Or maybe AI falls flat at some point? And then it's like, God damn, I should have sold.
1: Right? <laughs> but- well, again, it's all about diversification. Yeah. If you I'm telling you one thing that I can guarantee you that if you get too fat and greedy and happy with the returns you're getting, you will be broke. <laughs> no let me repeat that if you get too greedy you will end up broke
0: well, that is a Period. that is just great advice mm-hmm. sounds like I'm at a casino right now playing roulette. Right?
1: yeah <laughs> a little different but yes yes
0: all right so I want to hit on more of uh relationship with money um so what is the biggest perception about money that people have wrong
1: Ooh, it's is that they think there's only a limited amount of money and that if you win, I can't.
0: That's a Period. great answer.
1: Period. It's true. Money does grow on trees. If you're willing. To that do is the a work, great answer. Mm-hmm.
0: Because I feel like now that you just said that it's like so-and-so got a raise and I didn't or whatever. Like that doesn't mean you can't go out and get it too. No.
1: No, the like money it. in this world equals the amount of energy. The human being has to, to be successful mm. that that's what equals. So until we run out of our energy and we're really like being productive, a hundred percent of the time, seven, like there's not, there's, there's enough money to take care of all of us. It's literally chasing the right money.
0: Mm. And speaking of emotions, um, where does fear come in? Like, I, cause I, I haven't everywhere. I, I was going to say, I have a feeling that people come and see you and they have a lot of fear when talking about money. I just kind of want to just dive into that, how fear and money have a relationship.
1: Let me ask you, what is hmm. your biggest fear with money?
0: Um, I right now fortunately live comfortably. My biggest fear is that I get uncomfortable. Um, my biggest fear is that i I'm not even close to retiring, but I want to have enough to retire and live comfortably and happy, and that i mean i'm I'm looking big picture, so it's it's not necessarily losing it because i I feel like I'm really good with money, but it's like My job can disappear and or, you know, if I retire, I don't have enough and I'm running out quickly, Mm -hmm. Um, like that type of thing,
1: but that's everybody's fear. So I wanted to hear from your mouth because I've heard it from 10,000 client meeting mouths too. the fear is enoughness right? And running out. So if you like, if I was doing a behavioral financial advice session with you, I would pull back all of that and be like, okay, like, are you going to give up? Like, are you going to not give enough? Cause that's when the money is not enough is when Mm. you're not giving enough. So as long as you're going to continue to give enough, then your money's never going to run out. Mm. But every single person that I've come in contact to, it's this fear of enoughness. Hmm. I'm going to run out of money. And when I retire, am I going to have enough? Because I don't want to work at Walmart.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's
1: true. (laughs) Nobody wants to, I don't even want to go in there. Like, gross. (laughs) Um, Like, right?
0: I'm not going to argue that.
1: It's not like I don't want a deal, but I I want, I'm environmentally. Target's fine.
0: We'll go to Target, spend a few more bucks.
1: Yeah, I agree. Some of them will smile at me with, you know, someone will smile and be nice. I'm not saying, no, don't get me wrong. I get in this argument (laughs) with my parents all the time. They're like, Don, you're stereotyping Walmart. I'm like, I am. And I'm sorry. But most of them that I go into, I just, I just want a better vibe. That's okay. That's my prior, prior, not priority, priority, but prerogative. Prerogative. yeah. Yes.
0: Now, another thing I want to talk about, as you mentioned a few times, is guilt. Uh, You talk Mm -hmm. about guilt-free spending. Mm Mm-hmm. How do we achieve guilt-free spending and what does that mean?
1: I believe there's a couple of things. First of all, you have to be really smart with your taxes because most, most of us pay too much in taxes. And so what happens is then there's less amount of discretionary money to deal with. And then we start to go, oh, I still want to live. And then I start to feel guilty about spending my money. So as long as people like are really smart with their tax planning, that's first. And then what I have people do is they create a spending plan, never a budget, but a spending plan. Mm. And in that spending plan, I have people spend 25% of their after taxes and after investing their savings, 25% of that real net income, in other core values and their core like tra- like in your case would be travel or whatever it is right um and then in order for them to do that i take a look at all of the the opportunities that they have in their spending plan where they're wasting money and they're not even aware of it they're wasting money on interest payments for debt they're wasting money on um, having the wrong or not really productive insurance, right? They spend too much money on their insurance premiums, they still need the insurance, but they might have the wrong type of insurance. Um, I find people um, wasting a shitload of money on food and beverage like, and I'm telling you, like, go out, like, have fun, like go. But it's like, but we waste, we waste, we waste. And so it's like taking that wasted money and applying it to your core values, and you should be able to spend guilt-free on that. Hmm. And then really having this a solid tax plan. It's not just having someone do your taxes. It's like a proactive tax strategy to maximize that income that's coming into your household. That's huge. Those three things are huge. Hmm. Then, you can, then you can accomplish guilt-free spending.
0: Yeah, that makes life a hell of a lot better. My life started to change where I can go to the grocery store and not really have to look at the bill Mm-hmm. And I feel very fortunate to say that, but it's, it's a relief. That's where you mm-hmm. say, like, one of the first thing we talked about was like money and happiness and being comfortable and like going to the grocery store. It's like, I want to buy the organic eggs this week. And mm-hmm. that's like, not going to kill me to do that. And I, and I, like I said, I realized that I privileged to say that, but, but yeah. L- l- like,
1: l- let me say something completely different. Yeah. Like you're feeling bad about saying that I'm looking at it opposite saying you are, you should feel bad about even having to do that. Not (laughs) to say it to have, like, I I don't feel bad. You should, you should be buying the organic eggs for God's sakes. It's better (laughs) for your body. Like, why are we measuring up against, you know, like, like, come on, like that is better, healthier for you. So you can think better, be a better human give to society better. You like, you shouldn't be measuring your financial success around your grocery bill. Sorry. (laughs) People can hate me for it all they want, but it's true. It's like, if that's the case, then we need to uplevel your income. Right. And I'm not saying you, but you see what I'm saying? You felt. Oh yeah. Call me out. Call me out. Well, no, I'm just saying, but you (laughs) don't want to offend any listeners with that. Right. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, why are we measuring to that? Like we should, you deserve, you deserve, Mm. you deserve it.
0: One thing I don't, personally my wife and I don't cheap out on is anything for like health and fitness um that's like priority like kind of number number one is is being happy healthy or fit we go to the like a good gym we buy good food supplements vitamins we want to make sure that we're running really well efficiently for years and years to come and we don't want to cheap out Mm -hmm. on that for sure
1: And so if you're doing that and that's your number one priority, then you are number one core, let's just say it was your number one core value. And so if you had to pick between like 25% of your spending plan, it's health. And because we do the same thing, it's whole foods, it's vitamins, it's like Mm -hmm. supplements, it's all the healthy stuff, right? That's expensive. If I told you how much our grocery bill was last year, you'd kill me. (laughs) Um, but, but the other side of that is, um, let's say your other core values travel. Well, you might not be able to do both. Let's just say the income isn't there, right? Because look, come on, you've been married for a year, you're not at your highest income earning years either. So, so if that's the case, then you might have to give up like you might not be able to stay in Hawaii two extra days, Mm. or right, but because your priority is more health than I'm just making this up yeah, right yeah. that's but but that's where it's like prioritizing your values and it's a give and take and I'm telling you you will have guilt-free spending and be a happier human being when you're touching your money your money's touching those super important core values oh
0: for sure a thousand percent I want to hit on like a couple of things you just said in the last few minutes is you said smarter with taxes what does that mean because I feel like people get a job they claim one or zero and they just don't see it and then April comes around they pay it so yeah.
1: like, what does that mean Yeah. So first of all, I don't believe anyone should get a tax refund more than a thousand dollars, right? Because that's stupid because you're just giving the government interest free loan. Um, So that's first and foremost. But really more so looking at that is like, how do you reduce your taxes? Like, what are some ways that people can reduce their taxes from an income perspective? Well, there's a ton of retirement plans. Like you can pay yourself first to pay less in taxes. Like imagine that, right? Mm-hmm. So the retirement plans, the health savings account. Um it, it if people are um sometimes like I'm just thinking the exact the difference between executive W two income versus 1099. So if you're a W two income earner, then it's like, okay, if you have like bonuses or options, like how you time all that out and how you deduct certain things. Um, from your income based on the, t- the timing of those options that happen. So it's about timing the income if you're a W-2 and making sure that you're fully taking advantage of all the tax um, savings that you have through your, your benefits at work. Um, the other thing is, is if you're a 1099 income earner and then you got a ton more opportunities, not only do you have those retirement plans, but people find, like most entrepreneurs, they're like yeah don i write off my car or my house i'm like okay but do you write off your maintenance your your tabs the taxes for your car do you write off your homeowner's insurance um do, you know a portion of it do you write off do you write off the hoa fees do you write mm-hmm. off like right people miss all of the ancillary things do you write off your financial advisor like if those fees are buried in your investments you can't write those off but if your mm-hmm. fees are transparent then if you're getting financial advice that's related to your business, and it should be always, you should be able to write those things off. Like people miss even like me as a 1099 income earner. Well, I actually have W2 and 1099 as the CEO of my company, but there's ways that I can manipulate illegally
0: Mm -hmm.
1: how I pay my staff too. So the tax brackets are low for the company and the tax brackets are lower for them. Like, There's stuff that you can do that the IRS puts in front of you that says here, Mm. if you want to learn, if you want to read the code, you can figure it out. And thank God I have really smart people around me. And I've been doing this long enough to like understand the code, but there's so many missed opportunities. They say, um, I work with this tax firm and they say that the average entrepreneur entrepreneur misses about $9,000 of tax write-offs every single year. Bam.
0: Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, I actually so I do graphic design is my full time job, W2, but I also do freelance. And so everything you just said is actually what I do right off every year. I, I work with a CPA, because I'm not smart enough to do mm-hmm. all that. But we, we definitely go through everything I could possibly write off. And it it's everything you said, right? And mm-hmm. probably then some, there's probably a few other things. So do
1: you do a health savings account?
0: Uh, I do not currently. I did at a previous job. I do okay. not. My, what's okay. what's what's obviously wonderful is my wife is a manager of benefits at her company, nice. so she knows all yes. of that stuff. Yep. Woo! I walked out into that one. Otherwise, I'd still be asking the questions about yep. that. So she helps me. To, I okay. help her with things. She helps me with things. It's a it's a nice partnership there.
1: <laughs> yes. And anytime too, like if you're charitably inclined, which I believe every single one of us should be giving to charity based on what's really important to them mm. health, like, right, or spiritual or whatever, it doesn't matter, like any type of charity. Um, but there's years in which you can lump some money into a charitable fund too. If you have a bigger income year, let's say you have a bigger income year and you want more of a tax write off, there's things that people can do even on a corporate side. Let's say I'm getting big, I have a like, uh, my, I, I got paid a million dollars. I got paid an extra hundred thousand dollars in taxes. Well, are you charitably inclined? Yes. Well, then let's take that and let's dump money into a charitable fund and get mm-hmm. that tax write off this year, and mm-hmm. just gift from that charitable fund over the next five years. And now you saved on cash flow, and you just saved maybe ten percent in taxes too. So really, wow. you know, there's so many things to do.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to I want to get your feedback and input on this. So. Every time you go to the damn store nowadays, it's like, do you want to round up? Do you want to give to charity? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And you feel like an asshole for saying no. But I've read years ago that say no because they're just going to use it as a write-off. Whereas if you donated it yourself on your own time, you can use it as a write-off. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I believe so. I, I never even thought about that. I mean, I do that once in a while, but um, probably. But I also think this. If you round up fifty cents, who the hell cares?
0: I mean, I, yeah, I get that. Come
1: on, right? Let's let's <laughs> move the needle a little bit more than that. Um, yeah. What what really ticks me off is when I go to Starbucks yesterday. Like, I'm not a big Starbucks fan, but I was like, really? I got a grande, and it was six something. And then they're pumpkin like,
0: pumpkin spice, you know, pumpkin spice is back.
1: Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> um. But then they're like, you know, the one dollar two, and of course, I gave the one dollar. But it's just like not sure that you know like when you go up to a like a self-serving and i have to pay a tip it's a little that annoys me a little bit yeah a little bit
0: yeah that's every that's like every place now like you didn't really really? serve me you just gave me something
1: right and like last time i checked this was called fast food
0: i hate i hate that that's a guilt that's Mm -hmm. a guilt trip walking through the line scanning your credit card would you like to to i know and by the (laughs) way
1: By the way, if you don't want to give to those charitable things, so you can just say, Oh, I already did it last week or I already yeah, did yeah. it. Because you probably mm-hmm. did, right? Yeah. You probably yeah. did it on your own money.
0: A thousand percent. Yep. Um, something else I want to head on to is you said 25% of core value. So for somebody that's looking to like save and invest, like how much like what's the difference between like saving and investing and how do you kind of split that up
1: for mm-hmm. people? Yeah. So saving is investing. I, some of it goes in like, everyone should save a minimal of 10% where that money goes. You could put some of that money in a cash reserve, right? So a money market or just emergency fund that's say a savings account. Um, and then the rest of it should go into like, I believe like, especially people that aren't going to retire for quite some time, they like invest, you have to invest, you can't just put money in a 401k and leave it sitting there in cash. Right, like, right? That's just that's like lazy money. Like think about that's like you getting paid 1 millionth of what you're getting paid for right now. It's like, yeah, we want you to do the work, but we don't, we're gonna pay you 10 grand a year. That's what it, like if you don't invest your money, that's what's happening. And Mm. I feel like we all, don't you feel like you work hard for your money? I feel like I work hard. I feel like I'm always doing, you know, I'm putting my energy forth and I'm always doing really good work. And I feel like I should be paid triple of what I'm, you know, should be paid or am being paid. And then you got, so in order to make that up, you got to have your investments work just as hard as you do for it, Mm. for your money. I mean, it's so important. You're not going to live wealthy, or wealthy with the money if you don't invest and have your money work for you. And with those minimal fees. What do you
0: tell people that are like, when you, I assume you say this or something like this, hey, max out your 401k, blah, 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 blah. I assume you say that and people say, I can't do that. I need the money. I need the money on my hand. I can't give that up. Like, what is your response for people who feel that?
1: I find money in their spending plan to do it. I find
0: it 100% of the time. Is that how it is? 100% I would, I, or most I, of the time?
1: I would say probably 99% of the time. Wow. Mhm. I find money. It's like, really? Okay. Let's go. How important yeah. is it for
0: people to to do that? Cuz for people that might not think it's that important to max out their 401k and kind of give up stuff. Of oh, what it's so saying.
1: important. It's, it's a non-negotiable, non-negotiable. I mean, they might not be able to max it right away. Cause I understand when people are in their thirties and they're starting off and they want a house and a dog and a cat and a mm-hmm. baby and like and a car, like I get it. Life's expensive and you're not at your prime income years. So I get that, but, um, but commit. And, and here's the other thing, Ryan, I have never in 20, Three, four-ish years, I have never had someone come back to me and say, "Oh, I started that saving, and I, now I can't afford it." Mm-hmm. Ever.
0: You Ever. kind of forget. You forget it, right? You, it's like you don't even have it when it automatically goes right to your four hundred one k. It's like you never right. had it, so you don't even right. know.
1: You, you, you put it in your 401k and then I would help people change their tax withholding so that they get that money back, mm-hmm. you know, and they're able to spend it every month. Like, yeah, they, you don't miss it. You just don't miss it. Automation is the key. Mm-hmm. Doing it and setting it up on automation is the key. And then you just sit back because if you can't afford it now, I'm telling you something, you'll never be able to afford it.
0: Mm-hmm. If you
1: can't afford it in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, it'll, you'll never afford to do it. And Ever. you're
0: wasting time on a four oh one K. The earlier you start, the more you know, oh, yeah. the more you'll trust. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You
1: wanna know how you wanna know how money works? Look at nature. Look at the snow. <laughs> like you start rolling a snowball, look at what happens, right? Keep rolling and rolling like it, it's not hard. It's not hard. It's just look at nature. How like look at your plants. Okay, they keep growing right? They keep it, it's same thing with money.
0: Same. I'm nerd I'm nerding out on this. I I I love this. How much I gotta ask you, how much time do you have? Because I will keep asking I you questions.
1: yeah. Um I'm I'm out of here on the hour. I'm gonna okay. just gonna kick off.
0: So we have like I don't <laughs> okay. I don't doubt it. Nine
1: minutes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Right, nine minutes. I'm gonna ask you. So we're talking about relationships money. I'm gonna talk about relationships with people. Um, mm-hmm. what's a tip or two that you would give somebody that is getting into a relationship with somebody? Um There's like getting married, like something I did within the last year. Thankfully, we have really good open communication about money. I'm really happy about that. But I do know it's the number one cause for divorce. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: like, what is some tips or advice for people that are starting opening up their checkbooks and savings accounts to their partner?
1: Well, first of all, I think you should. Like, I do think money should be together if it's your first marriage and you're starting off together. 100% think that is part of it. Um, I would say how you think you should spend money. You're never going to be a hundred percent. Right. Mm-hmm. So ever like it takes two. your, your wife and you come at it from different angles because you have different core values. Mm-hmm. And so you're never going to have the same. You're never going to have the same. You're always going to be wrong. A hundred percent of the time, but there's not fully wrong. So I believe in understanding, like the thing that can save marriages with money and with their own personal relationship is knowing the top five core values of each other and then knowing when you need to give and take. Mm-hmm. And and you have a spending plan around, like we talked about those values. And it's like, okay, if your wife's core value is adventure, like she's going to go do that whether you want her to or not. Mm-hmm. You can't stop. And you her don't because, want
0: her not to because she could be unhappy about it. She'll so. be a bitch. She'll be a
1: bitch, <laughs> and she won't want to be with you. She can't do that. Like it's a like my husband. His core value is independence. What does that mean to him? He wants a. He wanted a movie theater in our house because he likes to close the door and and pay, play his video games and watch movie and all that kind of stuff. Like if I told him no, we can't spend our money on that, he would have been out the door. So mm. I was like, okay, I, we, you know what I mean? So it, it, again, it comes down to the values. So that's to me, um, the first most important thing when you're coming together in a marriage is really understanding, standing where you're going to have the friction. Cause the friction's going to be there. Mm-hmm. The friction will be there. It's all how you, um, understand each other's core values. And then the second thing is really how you, like you said, you're good communicators. It's really about communicating. I mean, I just know, like my husband and I went to marriage counseling, I don't know, maybe like 15, 17 years ago. And it was really about no one's a hundred percent ever. Right. So just know that. So it's a give marriage is all about respect, communication and give and t- give and take. It's never your way. If you're in a marriage, it's never just your way. So it's, it's about you don't get into a marriage if you want your way all the time because you shouldn't be married. So it's about Boy. that. Yeah. Right. So that's really what it comes down to. It's really easy it's really easy and knowing that people we're we're all gonna have bad days and we're all gonna be crabby and we we take out their crabbiness on each other and that's how it is like it it's about just understanding your partner so well that when they're crabby you know not to we always say don't poke the bear Mm. like don't poke the bear the bear is not happy right now just don't poke it so
0: one more question for you i'll let you roll is so speaking of the whole marriage thing i feel like you probably deal with this a lot is one of them, one of the people makes considerably more money than the other. That leads to maybe resentment or not feeling you are contributing enough or mm-hmm. just these weird feelings about, I don't know, not being sufficient or however yeah. you want to look at it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Is there any advice that you give people in those situations?
1: Um. Yes. Cause I thought, you know, remember I was a performer and I was like, Ooh, my husband wants to be a musician. I need to make it happen. Right. Financially. Um, I always thought I would regret it and um, resent him. But Mm. then I realized that, ooh, I'm actually, I'd rather make money and work than do the other stuff. Mm. So again, it's a partnership. So I finally, it was, I mean, it took me a while. I mean, my kids, by the way, my girls are this week, 18 and 19. And it took me. It took me with the girls, probably at least ten years ago, right? So it took me into my forties to be like, have boundaries.
0: You look like you're thirty-five, by the way. Yeah, so thank what the you. Heck? Well,
1: it's with, with, with Botox, hair extension. Come on, like, right? Um, core values. Li- core values, and I'm living wealthy. Exactly. Um, I still hate working out, but I force myself to do it three times a year, or three times a year, three times a week. Um, but but back to the reality of it is that um, I personally. Oh, I just think, you know, I had boundaries where I said, you know what, hubby, I know this is role reversal, but I either need you to go out because I'm the sole breadwinner. I'm mm-hmm. the, like, m- we made a decision. My husband's a musician. We made a decision for him not to work very much. And I said, either you can go out and find a full-time job and not be a musician or, um, and then if you do that, I'm going to have to pay for someone to do the other stuff because mm-hmm. I can't do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's going to be on you. And we decided the split the compromise was like, I don't cook, I don't clean. I don't, what, what's that? Yeah. Um, I don't cook. I don't clean. He did the, he took the my girls a lot to their dance classes. Like I would do some of that too. Cause I wanted to be with him, but he really does all the shit work around the house, like mm-hmm. the laundry, but he's okay with doing that. The grocery shopping, like he's okay with that. There's a lot of and value in that. For there's sure. a ton of value. And I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't for him. But I respect him for it too, because I know it's the stuff I don't want to do. Um, mm. but I do think you need to have like for me, I finally had to have boundaries because I was not only working and running a business and having been the sole income provider for a long time, or he was it wasn't fair at all from an income perspective. But then I was also like doing my laundry and trying to do I was like, No, mm. No. Mm. no, 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 no. It mm-hmm. is a lot, but I just think again, you have to, it, marriages aren't fair. Life isn't fair. It's never 50, 50, um, but there's ebbs and flows to all of it. And you just, you just need to be really smart and open and honest with your communication of how do you want it all comes down to how do you want to spend your time, mm. right? I'd rather spend my time changing the world. Cause that's what I'm born to do. I don't want to spend my time folding the laundry. And I'm not saying that's wrong either. There are people out there. <laughs> I don't there that wanna, right? Yeah, there are people that want to fold the laundry. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. We, I need someone to fold my laundry, right? So it's either <laughs> going to be my husband or I'm going to have to hire it out. And if I hire it out, he needs to get a job, right? right so that's right. really what it comes down to. Dawn. Compromise, compromise. Come on. It's all comp- – life is compromise all the time.
0: Well, I want to say goodbye before you just click. Yeah, <laughs> right, I was kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah, I come back anytime because I got even more for you. This is awesome. I love talking yeah. to you. This is the the information we just said is valuable, right? This is so yes. invaluable for real. Any yeah. any of these little nuggets that you gave over the last hour can change someone's life for the rest of their life yeah. if yep. they just apply it. So,
1: yeah, if they just apply, and that's really what it is, it's about taking action because we're here to inspire and teach people, but it's like taking action. So, um, yeah, and I love talking to you, Ryan. Thank Thank you. you. And I would love to have you on my podcast in the future. I'll come
0: on anytime. Yeah. Yeah. So, how about this? How do people find you? I'm going to put it on the show notes, be able to scroll down, but how do people find you?
1: Um, I'm anywhere on any social media platform or my, I love for them to come to the website cause th- that's where we have free downloads to the book. We have free everything. Um, but it's Don, it's just my name, Don D A W N last name is Dolby D A H L B Y.com.
0: And I'll link everything in the show notes. Just scroll down, go ahead and click it. You'll find find everything, your book, your podcast, your website, everything. So
1: perfect.
0: Dawn's been a blast. Anytime. Come back. back. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Yes. All right. Thank you. Talk soon. Okay, you bet. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much to Dawn for being on this episode. Dawn, I want you back. (laughs) I want you back multiple times because the advice, the information and the tips that you give and you have knowledge of is invaluable. It can set people up for success for the rest of their lives. So thank you so much for joining me. Love your energy too. Energy is welcome back on my show anytime as well. Now, as I mentioned in the beginning, please subscribe, leave a review. I really do appreciate that please also share this episode and all episodes with friends and family. And in case you did not know, all my episodes now are appearing on YouTube, including this one. So if you want to watch the conversation, please do that as well at the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Follow me on Instagram at the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. And until next time, I'll catch you on the next episode.